thank you, God. You are a worthy God. Thank you, Lord, for your cloud that were that just comes upon us, Lord. I just ask you to release your spiritual mist. Lord. Yeah, that's right. Head in the clouds, Lord. That's where we want to live today, God. Seated in heavenly places with you. Thank you, God. Ooh. Release that, release that. Thank you, Lord. Mm. I want Donna to share this dream that she had and tell you about what the Lord was speaking to her in this. Dreams and visions. There's something we're hearing a lot about. Tim had an awesome dream, or was that a that was a vision Wednesday night? Um, that was extremely profound. Donna had this experience. So go ahead. This dream, it wasn't like any of the other times I've felt the Lord visited me. It was it was different. I felt like the Lord really wanted to impart something to me. He wanted to really give me a download of love beyond anything that I'd ever seen before. And he took me down to this really dark place. I mean, it was dark. And, and um, all around me, um, there was sin. Well, I just want to back that up a little bit and just say, I'd been struggling some, you know, just thinking about when, when I think about certain types of sin, I just have to shut my mind off and say, you know, I'm going to hand that over to Becky and Byron and let them deal with that, you know, because I'm going to judge it or I'm going to beat it down. I'm going to do something. But I, I don't have the right mind, and I've just been asking the Lord about it. And um, I, so the Lord took me down to this dark place where there was gross sin, and, and it, was, it was awful. And I said, God, why did you bring me here? And when I turned around and I looked in his eyes, I saw that same love that he looked at me with, you know, that he was looking on these people and he wasn't seeing their sin because he'd already paid the price for that sin. And he just looked at them with the same love that he loved me. And I was just blown back. And he, then he took me to the cross. And, you know, I've always known this in theory. But then the next place he took me was to the cross. And I, and I saw him there and he said, it was finished. Right there, it was finished. I've already paid the price. And there is no sin that I can't reach. There's no sin I can't reach. There's nothing so dark that I can't get in there. And when he was looking on these people, he was just waiting for them to just turn their face towards him. He just was waiting for that one moment when he could come in and save them. That's what he was looking for. And so... Anyways, I felt like the Lord just spoke to me and said, Donna, the only difference between you and them is the cross. You've got that revelation of the cross. And there's no difference because, you know, if you were put in the right circumstances and went down a certain road, you, don't want, you have no idea. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want to find out. I don't want to go there, but I want that revelation. I want that revelation of love that I feel like the Lord was pouring out. I just want to read over this because I don't want to, 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 to miss anything because I felt like what the Lord was saying to me was that is what He's getting ready to do. He's already sending people to us now that need that kind of love. 
you know, people that are we willing, are we ready for the love of God to move through us like that? To make us ready to take in those people that we just, you know, if we saw them out on the street somewhere, we might want to beat them down with a chain. You know, but when you see them through God's eyes, you just want to, you want to save them. You want to reach down and get them. And that's the love of God. And anyways, I felt like the Lord was saying that scripture, if you make your bed in hell, he's there. And that's what he was saying. He said, you know, that's why when I was hanging on the cross, I could look to the man beside me and say, today you'll see me in paradise. Today you'll see me in paradise. And he's looking for those ones that are out there that will just get his glimpse that he can say, today you'll see me in paradise. And I feel like he wants us to have that heart. And are we willing to go there? Are we willing to open ourselves up and not only let them come into the church, but he wants us to go in where they are and take back ground. He wants us to go into the enemy camp and bring them out. So I just I declare that right now. I, I pray, Lord, that that download is coming. So if you want that, I just tell you to stand up right now and receive it because I believe there's an impartation coming down. So, Lord, I just uh, pray, Lord, that thing that I saw in your eyes, Lord, that thing that we can't do on our own, Lord, that you would come down with a revelation, Lord, of the love, that love, the love that penetrates and goes beyond all depths, that goes to hell and gets them out. Lord, give us that love that penetrates every sin, that breaks every yoke. Lord, that your perfect love will cast out all fear and that love covers a multitude of sins. It covers it. It covers it. It's finished. It's finished. The price has been paid. Lord, give us that revelation right now in the name of Jesus. I just had an announcement that probably needs to get made today or it will be too late, but how many of you have read the book Grace Walk in the room? There's a bunch of us. It really transformed you don't really realize this, but that book transformed this, the life of this church. And um, <clears throat> probably, we don't know if Byron and I would be standing here because the Lord really did a major thing in our life through that book, A Real Revelation of Grace, which Byron has some stuff to share on that today. But Steve McVeigh, the author of that book, is coming to Charlotte for a fundraising event, and it's going to be on October 6th. He is speaking. I hear he is an excellent speaker. And... If you want to go to that, call me or come see me, and I will give you the details. But it's October 6th. But you have to RSVP by the 26th of September with a phone number that I have. So you won't get it now if I give it to you. But I wanted to let you know that um, if you would like to go. Let me pray for Byron. Y'all stretch your hand toward him. He's already preached (laughs) once this morning. and. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just ask you, Father, Lord, to just come and, Lord, just speak through Byron again today. Lord, we just ask you for open hearts, ears to hear, and eyes to see. Just open us up, Lord, even more. We're just hungry, Lord. We just ask you right now, Lord, that we would be good ground Mm -hmm. for the Word. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm going (coughs) to... 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10, up there. 
And uh, before I start, let me ask you a question. You have to be careful to think, if the Lord speaks to you about something and you agree with Him, okay, like the Lord spoke to me a while back and told me I need to be more focused, okay? I said, I agree, I agree, Lord, help me to be more focused. And honestly, exactly the opposite has happened in my life, okay? Many times, you know, what we think is focus in God's eyes it doesn't look like the way we think it will be. So I just want to encourage you, when the Lord speaks to you about something, I encourage you to, you know, like, we're going into the promised land, you know. He didn't tell them about the the, the Red Sea and, you know, all the difficulties they were going to face. Of course, they didn't have to spend that long there, but there's a... There's an opposite effect that happens in our walk with the Lord many times. When we think God's going to do something, it seems lots of times, it seems opposite to us than what we really expect it to be, at least initially. Hopefully I will get more focus in my life at some point. But I'm just sharing that with you because sometimes we ask God to do something and the opposite seems to happen to us and it sort of throws us off for a bit. But don't be thrown off because the Lord's good, and if you just stick with Him, you're going to be okay. Isn't that right? So um, I wanted to talk to you about these verses, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. And the reason I want to talk to you, you know, the Bible promises us in, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 through 19, that in the last days God's going to pour His Spirit out. And there's going to be dreams, there's going to be visions, there's going to be signs in the earth, there's going to be wonders in the heaven. And so there's going to be a lot of, of spiritual activity happening in the earth. A lot of spiritual activity happening with the people of God. And so I believe we're, we're, we're seeing more and more of that now. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, pe- you know many people now are having these, these heavenly encounters. They're seeing, people are seeing angels. People are, are uh, you know, people are having visions. People are having dreams. I mean, just more and more. It's becoming widespread. I mean, a lot of people... Today, what they're having experience-wise like this, like visions or dreams, were the only, you know, 10 years ago, it would just be these high-level prophetic people that were ha- just having these types of things. So God's just beginning to release them to the body. And um, I had a great example this week. A friend of mine had a dream about a pastor. And in this dream, the Lord revealed to my friend that what he considered to be there was some, some kind of immorality uh, possibly involved in this pastor's ministry. And he came, my friend came to me and he was talking to me about it. He wanted to go and talk to the pastor, so he was asking me how to, you know, you know, give me some advice on how I need to approach this. And we discussed it. He goes to this pastor and he tells him the dream and tells him what he thinks. And the pastor said, you know what, I'm glad you came here because there's a lady in my church that has been pursuing me for a long time and I have been, getting, I have been very tempted almost to the point I felt like I've been worn down. And the pastor was literally almost ready to give in to sexual temptation. And because this person had this dream and went to him and told him, it, you know, bailed him out of the plan of Satan and really, really delivered a church, really. And, you know, a lot of people from getting destroyed. And because a man had a dream and responded to it, God did what he did. So God's, you know, it's not just... We're not talking about just having these experiences for the sake of having an experience. God really wants to use His people in this earth and do things like that. So, but Paul, in these verses here, um, gives some really great instructions about this whole thing of dreams, visions, heavenly visitations. 
And uh, you've probably heard some preachings on this in the past, uh, particularly when you get down to the thorn in the flesh part. Um, <laughs> but this is really a great time to hear these words because he really helps us a bunch. So I want to just read the whole thing and then I want to go back and just share a little bit out of it. Uh, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. That's Paul. I will come to this. Now, let's, now I want to just, you know, just throw this in. I told you last week that I really did not want to be a follower of John the Baptist, that we were to be followers of Christ. And I, I, I still stick to that. I stick to my guns on that. I want to be a follower of Christ. However, Paul said this. Paul, the Apostle Paul said this. Follow me as I follow Christ. Paul is somebody we can follow because the Bible says we can. And there's other men in the Bible, uh, mainly the apostles and disciples of Jesus, that we can truly follow uh, and, and follow their way. So Paul is saying, I'm going to come to these things. And see, God is really wanting to release these types of things to, the, to his body. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago... Whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know. God knows. Such a one was called up to the third heaven. And I know such a man. Whether in the body or out of the body I do not know. God knows. Notice he just repeated himself there. And he did that for a reason, trying to give us some clues to... Sometimes these these experiences are so... They can be just so off the charts that you don't... You don't really know exactly what's happening with you. You don't know if, if you're there literally or if you're there just spiritually. And that's what he's saying. And So when you hear people talk about this stuff, lots of times they don't really understand what's happening with them. You know, they just know that something's happening. They don't know if they actually physically went there or just went there in the spirit. I mean, that's what Paul was saying there. And how he was caught up into paradise. Note that he, mentioned, he said that he was caught up to the third heaven and how he was caught up to paradise. Third heaven and paradise are the same thing. And we'll talk about that uh, just in a moment. And heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast. Yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities or literally in weaknesses. This is not talking about sicknesses here. He's talking about weaknesses. We tend to think infirmities as weakness as, as sicknesses, but, but it doesn't mean that. It means weaknesses. That's the literal meaning. For though, because uh, Paul didn't boast in sickness. I'm just, I guess that's my point, because sickness is not a good thing to boast in. But weaknesses is. Uh, but though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in weaknesses, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And that's, that's really sort of what the whole picture. Now, what I want to do is I want to go back and first I want to... There's like three things that I really want to speak to you. First, I want to speak to you about this term, the third heaven. Okay, and, and explain to you my understanding 
about how the heavenly, the spiritual realm is constructed. Okay, because the spiritual realm is a real realm, and in, in the Bible, the Bible makes it clear how this realm is made up. If you really study the, study the Bible, it's all in there. Uh, first, Mark 1.10, it says, uh, He saw the heavens opened. Heavens being plural, literally meaning that the heavens are made up of more than one part. That's why Paul called, uh, he said, the third heaven, meaning there's a second heaven and there's a first heaven. Okay, and the third heaven literally is where God is, where God the Father is. It's the, it's the throne of God. It's, it's the place where we're all going to go when we die and leave this life. We're going to go and live in God's house where He lives. And that's the third heaven. And that's where Paul went. He went to that place, literally went there somehow. He didn't know and, and heard things and seen things there. So when we hear about people talking about those experiences, those are very legitimate and true experiences. Okay? They're very legitimate and true experiences that we ourselves today can have those types of experiences. Okay? It's not just reserved for special Christians. Okay? Now that's really where we have to make a shift in the way we think. Right there. But that's, it's really, really important that we understand that. That's, that's a legitimate experience. All right, uh, I don't know, Paul, Paul, I would say Paul's experience would be the 10, you know, I mean, he's got the 10, and I don't know anybody else has had a 10 experience, you know, being 10 be the greatest experience you could have. There's people who's probably had fives, and I've had some of them experience, I put mine down here at the one range, okay, the, Paul had the 10, I had the one at the best one, but the experience I had, like this, had, had a profound impact on me. Okay, I can't imagine, you know, what Paul's experience was. Um, so we'll get more into that in a little bit. But so there's another thing in the Bible uh, that's not literally said in the Bible. There's a, there's the second part of heaven, which we're, I'm going to call the second heaven. That se- word second heaven does not ter- appear anywhere in the Bible. But because there's a third heaven, you know, three, two, one, counting backwards, you know. It makes sense. And I want to give you a couple examples uh, of that. Ephesians 3.10. Let's put that up there. Ephesians 3.10. And this is a very important scripture in the Bible right here. Okay, very... This this one is full. And I don't really have time to go on, but it's full. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by who? The church. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That heavenly place, there is no devils, there's no principalities and powers in the third heaven. They don't, there's none of them up there with God, I promise you that. He wiped them out a long time ago. They're not allowed to go there. They're out, they're done, they're finished, okay? There's a second heaven, and the second heaven tends to be the place, evidently, where these guys have moved into. They've moved into this realm called the second heaven. That's, where they're, that's sort of where they've camped out at. They don't belong there. They really have no right to be there in the sense of they need to be moved out. Okay? And this is uh, Ephesians 6.12. It says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Okay, so there's where those people are. Okay? Or those spiritual thing, beings, those demons and, you know, bad place 
people that they are. They're there, and God has really called the church to move them out of there. Okay? That's the second heaven. That's where they're, that's where they're at. And like I say, well, like I was sharing earlier, you can go into a, another city or another state. Everybody's probably experienced it, and it, you, ha, you can feel things there that you don't feel here. And what you're feeling is the spiritual climate there. You're feeling there's powers and principalities that affect the, the climate, the spiritual climate, and it can affect the natural climate in a place. And so when you go somewhere, like when we went to Argentina, I had a hard time the couple, first couple of days down there because of the spiritual climate there. I wasn't used to that climate. And it was, I was irritated at first. I was bothered. and I could, At first I wasn't really paying attention to what was happening to me. And then I realized this is spiritual. I mean, I'm just starting to... There's different demons here. There's different principalities here. And they affect you different. And you sort of have to kind of get used to that world. There's, there's principalities here that are affecting us. We may not... We're just used to it. Okay? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Are y'all good or are y'all just... All right, good. All right, so that's the second heaven. Then the third heaven, or the first heaven, is here. Okay? It, the first heaven is, is the earth realm. It's the natural realm. Think about it like this. This is the best way I can picture it. In the old days, my grandma had a, a house, and this is, a lot of houses were built like this back in the pre-60s and pre-50s probably. I'm not sure how way it goes. But, but these houses, you would go into the front door of the house and you'd be in a room, okay? Then you would walk out of that room through a doorway into a second room, okay? There was no hall anywhere, to connect these rooms. The rooms were just each other, and you went from room to room. And then you would go through that room to go th- to the kitchen. So you had like a, like they had this living room, and then they had like, well, I guess it would be a den, would be the middle room, and then the kitchen was back there. Yeah. And if you wanted to, if you were in the living room, you want to get to the kitchen, you had to walk through this other room to get there. Y- y'all seeing what I'm saying? That's where they used to build houses. It was cheaper. You know, now it's not like that. They have halls and, you know, entranceways and stuff. But that's sort of a picture of how the, how the, how the heavenly realm is constructed. Okay? You, and you've got those three, three rooms. Now, the, this room here is, 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 the, is the room where God wants to manifest His presence in this world. Well, so you hear the phrase, heaven on earth. This is the room that God wants to bring the things out of the say, the very back room and bring it into the front room here where we're at. And that's a literal... So when Jesus prayed the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on heaven as it is in earth, that's what He wants to do. He wants to get out the thing that He has in the third heaven. He wants to get it into the first heaven or into the earth realm. Okay? And there's a scripture, Revelations 11:15. It says this, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. That's God's ultimate intention for this world. So that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, is not just a prayer, an individual prayer. It is a prayer for the church to pray that God, because God will do that. Ultimately, the kingdoms of this world, He will come, and He will come so much that He will take over them. And He will literally, the Bible teaches us this, He will literally come down here on this earth and He will live in Jerusalem. And he will have a throne and set up in Jerusalem and rule the world from Jerusalem. That's literally going to happen. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime. I don't know when, but it is going to happen. And that's what that's teaching there. 
Because I had somebody tell me that was an illegitimate prayer recently. Huh? You know. Because, you know, it's, it's already fulfilled. When we got saved, it was fulfilled. I say, bull. It may be fulfilled in here, but it ain't fulfilled out there. Until it's fulfilled out there, the prayer is not fulfilled. Y'all hear me? So, <clears throat> that's, what, that's where God wants to bring. He wants, he wants heaven to literally come on earth. Okay? He really wants to set up His rule here and His reign here. All right, so the Lord's given us two, two great pictures in the Bible of His world. The first one is, is, is in Hebrews 9, 1 through 15. It's talking about the Ark of the, the, the Tabernacle of Moses. Okay? And the Tabernacle of Moses, if you read that, I'm, we're not going to take time to read it. The Tabernacle of Moses was broken up into three, part, three compartments. You had the outer court where anybody, any person could be. Then you had the inner court where only the priests were who did the ministry there, you know, the, the praying and the sacrificing and all that. Think about Ephesians 3.10. The church in the heavenly place. See, we're, they've got our spot up there. Y'all hear that? If you're spiritual, you want to hear me. Hear this. Ephesians 3.10 must be fulfilled. That was, yeah, because we're supposed to make known the manifold wisdom, wisdom of God in that second heaven. That's what we've got to do at some point. To who? These people who are there who shouldn't be there. In other words, we've got to get them out of there because they're blocking things. They're clogging up things. Anyway, so you have the three compartments or three rooms of Moses' tabernacle. You have the outer court, the inner court, and then you have the Holy of Holies. That's a picture of heaven. It says that in Hebrews 9, 1 through 15. That's a picture of what heaven is made up like. Then the other picture is you and I. We're a picture. We're a walking picture of heaven, the heavenly rim, because we're made up of three parts. We have a spirit man, we have a soul man, and we have an outer man. When you get saved, the Spirit of God comes into your spirit, and He's alive in your spirit, and your spirit's alive. But guess what is not automatically made alive? And guess what can still do bad things and think bad things? The soul man. Okay, your soul, your mind, your feelings, those things don't automatically change. They change by you inviting and choosing for the Spirit of God who's in your spirit to be released up into your soul man, and then your outward man will start being acting different and talking different. That's why the Bible says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. You see what I'm saying? It's simple Christianity, but that's really the way it works. And so we're a great picture of the, of the heaven, the throne of God in our spirit, desiring to get into our flesh life and affect our flesh life. But he's got to go through the second heaven. He's got to go through the soul realm to do it. Yeah. It really is. And so you, you see that picture God has given us to describe this creation that He's made. Okay? And so when Paul said that he was called up in the third heaven, he went from the front room to the back room. And he was there. And he said, I don't know if I was literally there in my body. I don't know if it was through the Spirit or what. I don't know. And he made that point. So when you... When you, when you, and I'm hoping and I'm believing you're going to have experiences like that before you literally die and go there. You will, if you have a grand experience, you may not know if you're really there or not. You may, I'm not sure if I was there or here. 
And the experience I had, I couldn't, I literally thought I was there because I was in this one place. And the next thing I know, I was in my bed again. And I was awake. I wasn't asleep. I was wide awake. And I was like, what? You know, at first it was like, what is happening to me? I thought something bad was happening to me. And that's, that's just the way some of those things are. Not all of them, like Donna was sharing, she had a dream. She knew this was a dream. There's a difference. They're both legitimate, though. And God wants to teach us how to have these things and be able to walk in these things because it belongs to the church. This is our life. This is what has been given to us. All right, here's some other scriptures. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? There's these passages or doorways between these worlds. Okay? All right. Amos 9, 6. This is great stuff. I mean, what I'm telling you really will make you just love the Lord more and want you to, makes you want to be more of a Christian. I'm serious. Man, Lord, I want to be more sold out. I want to get involved in this stuff, man. You know? I don't want to sin no more because I want to get over there. I'm going to get involved in this spiritual world here. Who needs to be down here in the, in the carnal world? Yeah, I won't be no chicken scratcher. I'm an eagle, man. I'm going to get out of this chicken house. Anyways, here's a great scripture. I don't have none of these wrote down up there, but it's Amos 9, 6. Fascinating. He who builds his layers in the sky. Okay, layers there means steps, stairs, upper chambers, ascents, or lofts. Now, Amos was seeing it. God's built some steps to, get in, to go up, or he's built rooms up there. I mean, here's the Old Testament man getting something. Of course, we all know about G- uh, Genesis 28, Jacob's Ladder. Everybody knows that one. If you've been in this church any time, you might know that one. But anyway, Jacob said, this is the gate of heaven. Literally, I, I've, this is the gate of heaven. God is here, and I didn't even know it. See, that's the thing we need to understand. If the, the church is the gate of heaven to the community, we are the ones who hold the key for the community around us to access heaven. And if the community's not accessing heaven, it's not the community's fault. It's our job to open heaven. But the church is full of people who don't believe it because individually, your mind is that gate. And if your mind is closed off, you get a bunch of closed-off minds that come together on Sunday to worship the Lord. Their mind's closed. They don't believe any of this stuff. It's just a story in the Bible to them. But that's not the way it is. And God is beginning to open people's minds up to understand the Scriptures right now in a new way. I'm telling you, if you want to download the Scriptures of new Revelation Scripture, you can get it. It's accessible. It's right there. It literally is. He is just feeding across right now revelation of the Word of God that we've never had before. And if you, if you want it, like Matthew was saying, if you want these angels, Lord, I want, I'm in. I want the healing angels. Oh, yeah, and I want my mind to be able to understand the Scripture. Give me as much as I can take and throw a little bit extra in. He's doing that stuff now. It's, I mean, he really is. I mean, you may not be experiencing it, but I promise you he is. Okay? Uh, so we could be in a situation where God's doing stuff like that and not know it. That's basically what Jacob was saying. I didn't know God was here. I didn't know this was the gate of heaven. You can be oblivious to it. But the person next to you could be right up, you know, seeing in there. You see what I'm saying, how this thing works? We think everybody is all going to get it. It's going to be some massive thing. It just doesn't work like that. All right, Mark 1.10, it says, The heavens were opened when Jesus was baptized. Literally, that word open there means torn open. I think I've told you this before. If I haven't, I'll tell you, I'm repeating it. Torn open 
The only other place in the Bible where it talks about something being torn open using those words was when Christ died on the cross and it says the veil of the temple, the most holy place, the veil was ripped. That's what it says. It was torn open then. Meaning, that we know that veil ain't going to be put back together, right? Of course we do. Should we not think the same thing? That the heavens were opened. He tore them open for us. They're open now. The problem is between us and heaven is this, the third heaven is the second heaven, and there's a there's stuff in there that has clouded it and clogged it. And we got to eventually clear that thing out. But we we're not going to be able to clear it out in the community if we can't clear it out in ourselves. That's the, what I want you to get. If you can't be an open heaven on a personal level, how do you think the church is? I'm not trying to spit. <laughs> It's not working. You see what I'm saying to you? How can the church go, we're going to take these demons, wrestle these principalities out of the way? You're not going to do that. Don't try to do that. I don't even suggest you even go jumping and doing that now. I'm not talking about doing that. I'm saying we need to learn how individually and see that we're to be open heavens, that we can access it. And once you get a... Some people, somebody, a group of people who do it, then we can really see how to really... Yeah, displace those things up there. But I'm not going to go out and start messing with those things without, you know, yeah. And that's really important for us to get because I'm not suggesting we go out and start jumping on these big powerful demons because they are powerful. You don't want to mess with them if you ain't walking in something, you know, just if you don't have an open heaven thing yourself. But if you do that, there ain't nothing. I mean, God will show you the trick. Anyways, I'm getting off the subject. Acts 10.11, Peter saw heaven opened. Remember the thing? He saw this big sheet lowered down. He, it says he saw heaven opened. Okay? A Revelation 4.1, John saw a door in heaven. The door opened in heaven. He saw it. And um, so you've got to have spiritual eyes to see that door. Though. You, they're there. The heavens are open. But if you don't see spiritually, you can't see it. You can't see it with your natural eyes at first. I will say this, as you begin to cultivate these spiritual eyes that you have as a born-again Christian, now if you have a hard heart, you have an unbelieving heart, or if you're in sin in your life, I mean willful, ongoing, not wanting to repent, you can't be expecting to see this stuff a whole lot. It just doesn't work. But God wants you to know that He gave you, when you were born again, born from above, He gave you eyes to see. Spiritually, Everybody in this room, if you've had that experience with the Lord, then you can do it, and it is your right to see this. And as you begin to see it, let me tell you this, it grows. Okay? It doesn't get smaller. This thing will grow for you. In other words, the little things that you're, little glimpses that you're seeing begin to get a little bigger. Okay? Because you are cultivating these eyes, these spiritual eyes of faith, 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 Corinthians 5, spiritual eyes of faith that see into this world. And as you begin to cultivate them, it's like a little child. I can imagine a baby who's getting its focus. It sees things, like it sees its mama, and it's really not sure, is that my mama? They know its voice, they know it's the feel, but later they, their eyes get more and more in focus over time. And that's really what God is trying to do with the church today is train us to be able to see the invisible world. And He's doing a great job at it. We're just not always good students. He's a great teacher. 
Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? So I think, you know, what I want to just give you that I, this concept because this has really helped me to understand that heaven is literal, it's real, and there's these parts to heaven, these rooms to the heavenly realm, to the spiritual realm, these different dimensions, so I can learn how to navigate through those rooms. Because I'm going to tell you something. Paul said it's doubtless. He said, I'm going to go on to Revelation. I'm going to go on to dreams. I'm going to go on to heavenly experiences. We must follow Paul into these things. You see what I'm saying? We can do this now. God is making it available now. So that's really what I wanted to say about that part. Now I want to go to the to this next thing, next two things that Paul gives instructions about this that'll help you because we need help with this stuff. This stuff is not anything you toy with, okay? This is not a game that I'm talking about. This is not about coming to church and you know, just acting like a bunch of what charismatic parlor games they used to think they used to call them years ago. You know, people giving their little things. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about something real here, something that's serious here. Okay? Because when we begin to start thinking about going in that world, that world will affect you big time. It is not anything you toy with. You know? Now, God wants us to have us a good old time and all that stuff like that. I really believe that. I'm into that good old time stuff. But there's a part of it that can be, can be real serious. In other words, I promise all of us, if we're in the present Lord and we had the gaze of God on us, I don't think, I think we would explode being in such a holy presence real quick. We would come unglued real quick. You hear what I'm saying? And so God wants to prepare us to get deeper and deeper and deeper into the spiritual realm so that we can learn to go there, get what is needed there to bring into this earth realm. That's what he wants to do because he wants to save the world. Donna was saying this is what she was saying. The heavenly love is available. God wants us to teach us to grab hold of that love more and more and bring it into this world. And we really need to be able to do that. And, but this is what Paul, and I'm going to read this. Put that Second Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 back up, Brian, but the New Living Translation. This is from, you know, y'all know about, some of you know, this is another translation. This is good. This is the best one I could figure out and looking at all the different translations that explain this because that seems confusing to me just reading it on surface. Uh, he says, I do not know that I, I, do, I do know that I was called up into paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be told. That, listen to this, that experience is something worth boasting about. Now that's what Paul said. It's worth boasting about that experience. It was a powerful experience, and it's worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. Now, here's where the wisdom of the apostle comes in. I'm not going to boast about that, although it's worth boasting about. It was a legitimate experience. It was a true experience. I'm only going to boast about my weakness. He's made a conclusion. I'm not going to boast about that. I'm going to boast about something else. I have plenty to boast about. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. I got plenty to boast about, you know. I've had some visitations. Some people got healed by my apron. Just because my apron was on me, they got healed. I could boast about that. My friend Peter, he could boast because he walked down the street and people got healed from his shadow. That's, he's Paul saying those are legitimate things to boast about. 
he said, I have plenty to boast about and would be and would be no fool for doing it. Okay? Because I would be telling the truth. It's the truth. But I won't do it. I don't want anyone to think more highly of me than what they act, can actually see in my life and my message. Now, this is really key to you get this. Just because you have an experience like Paul had does not in any way set you apart or quantify you. It just simply does not make you a special person. And that's what he's saying there. Listen, I'm not going to boast about this kind of stuff. This is not what made me who I am. Okay? I had this powerful experience with God. I went into the heavenly realms, but this is not the thing that makes me the person that God has made me. So therefore, I'm not going to boast about it. See, in this church, there's this thing called the babble. I made this up. It may not be true. Babel spirit. Y'all know what the Tower of Babel is? Those people said, we're going to make, make a name for ourselves. Okay? And that's what Paul was saying. I'm not going to make a name for myself. That's what he's saying. I don't, that is not wise to use these experiences to make a name for myself. That's what he was just, he was just saying that simple thing. And that's really what we're, you know, we can tend to fall over into that if we're not careful. The temptation is, you know, you've had this experience, you had that experience, God's given you this, God's given you that, you prayed for this person, the Lord did a miracle in their life. There's a temptation in your flesh to kind of get happy about it more than you should in a bad way. You see what I'm saying? So if we're going to, what he's teaching us, if you're going to have these experiences, which God wants you to have them, you've got to settle up front. We aren't going to make a name for ourselves over it. We're just going to go enjoy the experience, get what God has out of it, bring it back here, enjoy it. We'll tell people out because there's a difference in testimony than trying to make a name for yourself. You testify because you want to bring glory to God and you want other people to be able to get in on the deal, you know, so they can enter into the, the same blessing. I mean, if I was you, I'd be thinking, I want to have this, I want to have these experiences so I can at least. You know what I'm saying? I ain't had that experience, Lord. I want that experience... So at least I can say, well, I'm just not going to boast about it. You know, even though I might want to, I'm not going to get caught up in that lie. So we can't make a name for ourselves. All right, then the other thing he's got is his revelation of grace. Now, this is really what I want you to get out of the whole thing, really, is, is the grace revelation, okay? Because a lot of people, all right, this is, man, I don't really know exactly how to say all this. This is it. It doesn't matter what kind of experiences you have. Okay? Think about it. Paul had this tremendous experience 14 years prior in his life. Numerable, numerable healings through his ministry. People were, you know, think about it. This guy cast demons out of people that these same people beat up other people trying to cast them out. You know? Started churches. I mean, just think about it. But here he is. He's praying, and God is not answering his prayer. You people think we're going to have this and we've got this breakthrough and we are there. But you are not there. You are going to get up tomorrow morning. You're going to wash your face. You're going to put your shoes on. You're going to walk out the door and live your life like you have every other day of your life in the natural sense. And there may come a day when God does not answer your prayers. And it doesn't matter if you stood face to face with Him. Here's this man who was in heaven 
talking to God. And he gets out here and he can't get God to answer his prayer over some demon messing with him. Because God has something greater for him. You see, a lot of people have these needs of breakthrough in their life. How many people need a breakthrough? God, win, please! And he's not doing it. He's not doing it because he wants to reveal grace to you. And I don't know why people are so stubborn, and I'm including myself in that, is we have to take a beating and get just beat down to the ground before we can start getting this revelation of grace. And you are not going to make it, and I'm not going to make it, in this spiritual age that God's releasing in the earth if we're not really walking in grace. And I'm not talking about believing in grace, and I'm not talking about just having an understanding of grace. I'm talking about a grace that you continuously live in and from. Because that was Paul's deal. He didn't just believe in the grace of God. He didn't just have a theology on it. He lived in it. He depended on it. So some people are not having breakthroughs because God wants to give you a revelation of grace. And some people in this room are wanting to have these spiritual experiences and they're not happening. And the reason they're not happening is God's saying, listen, in order for you to have that, you need, a more, you need more, a more revelation, more understanding. You need to be walking in grace more than you are because these experiences will cost you. They will affect your life. And you're going to need something called the power of God, which Paul causes calls grace, it's power, it's strength. You're going to need that after God's through with your hiding and the spiritual experience to be able to live your Christian life again. Amen. Are you all hearing what I'm saying to you? We've got to have this. We've got to get this revelation. Yeah. I had this one thing with the Lord. I'll tell you this, even though it sounds kind of crazy. Okay? But this is what happened to me. It was, I couldn't figure out what He was trying to tell me until I started seeing this. Is The Lord took me to this airstrip. Okay? Airstrip, you know, where airplanes take off. And there was a fighter plane sitting on a runway. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Go get on the back of that, that fighter plane and ride it. And I said, I can't do that, Lord. And then he said, Yes, you can. You've been doing it for years. That's what he said to me when he said that. I remembered. I saw myself on the back of this fighter plane as it taxied down the runway. It would taxi down the runway, and I was standing there holding on to the back of it. Taxiing. I don't know how fast they go when they taxi, but it wasn't real fast because I was up there just having a jolly time on the back of a fighter plane. So he said, you can do it. Get up there on it. I said, okay, I'll do it. So I get up there on the back of this fighter plane, and all of a sudden, this is what happened. I realized this thing's going to take off because it was, you know, the thing called afterburners on planes. They, this, this plane had this afterburner. They suddenly switched their afterburners on, and the whole plane started quivering and shaking. And, and it was real loud. I could hear it. It was, it was rumbling, and it was hot. It started feeling real hot. And I said, I can't do this. And he said, yes, you can. That's what he said to me. No, I can't. You don't understand. I'm going to die. And I felt my cheeks. I felt my cheeks doing that. I'm going to die. He said, hold on. Trust me to hold on. And I was saying, I cannot hold on to this. And he said, I didn't tell you to try to hold on to it. I told you to trust me to hold on to it. And when he said that to me, I thought, I can do this. (laughs) And at that point, the plane was already... What is the atmosphere above the... It's the where it becomes space. Stratus. It was already in the stratosphere. It had already broken through. And I was holding on. I thought, I can do this. And I stood up and let go of it. 
And I turn around to look at the Lord, and then I was out. You know, it was over with. And see, what God wants to do, he's, he, you see that? I know that sounds crazy, man, but it was so real to me. I could feel that jet. I could hear that jet. I was scared to death. I literally thought, I'm going to die. You know, God's killing me. You know? But his point to me was this. First he said, yes, you can do it. And I didn't tell you to try to hold on. I told you to trust me to hold on. And once I started trusting him, I was able to let go of it. And I was able to stand up and do something that was completely impossible. And that's really what the grace of God does. It gives you the ability to do something that's completely impossible in an impossible situation in your life. And God is really calling us into the impossible. But grace can't just be a concept and a theory to us. It can't just be something about me personally. Okay? I mean, it starts with you personally, but it has to go beyond you. Are you all hearing what I'm saying to you? So God wants to release a greater revelation of grace to people to walk in so He can give you breakthroughs that you need. Okay? And so that He can bring you into deeper levels of spiritual experience. Because you have to have both. You have to have this grace. Because when you... I may have said it a while ago. I'll say it one more time. If you step into that world, His world, out of this heavenly realm into His world, it is different in there than it is here. And your human body will be affected by that world. Okay? It will be affected. It is not good. It's not going to be easy on your body, perhaps. John Bunyan, this is the truth about John Bunyan. Everybody knows Mr. Great John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, right? One of the fathers of the church that is adored by so many people who don't believe in the Holy Spirit doing stuff. This drives me nuts. Pilgrim's Progress. It's a great book. We should all read He wrote another book called Visions of Heaven and Hell. John Bunyan had an angel come and visit him. Okay? And this angel was so powerful that he couldn't stand to be in his presence like John the Apostle couldn't. But the angel spoke to him and said, John, I'm going to touch you and it's going to give you the strength to be in my presence. And he touched him and he got the strength in him. He could stand being around this angel. And this angel literally took him into heaven. He saw, John Bunyan saw his mama in heaven and talked to her. The old great father of the church, he's talking to his mama in heaven. You know what his mama told him? Well, on earth I was your mama, but here I'm not. That's what she told him. Here we're all the same. We're just worshipers. We're... He went in hell. Found a guy. He went in hell and talked to this guy who resisted his ministry on earth. I'm just just really trying to blow everybody's brain here about John Bunyan, Mister Evangelical Hero, talking to people in, in hell and in heaven, talking to an angel. Don't it make you sick that we have been robbed of our spiritual inheritance? Anyways, you know the angel gave him the angel gave him strength, and also the angel told him this. I want you to know this. The angel, because this angel is so glorious. The angel said, I got this glory from being in his presence. And the longer I'm away from his presence, my glory fades. Because he saw the glory fading on the angel. Over time, he saw it was leaking, sort of leaking out of him. You know? And that's great, isn't it? Just like us. We go, God wants to bring us his presence. We come back and have this glory all over us, all in us, flowing out of us. But over time it leaks out, which we want it to. We've learned we want it to leak out, right? That's our new revelation. We used to have this revelation it was bad to leak out. Now we understand, no, that's the way it's supposed to. Leak out on the people around us. 
leak out into this world. Okay? But you keep getting more. And that's what God wants to do. God wants you to have this. I want to tell you what I'm talking to you about today is all in the Bible. It's the experience of Christians in the Bible. It's the experience of some of our spiritual fathers. It's what God's doing in the earth today. He's releasing this new thing. He wants you and I to have it. He really does want us to have it. And we should want it. And He wants us to make it available to us. And all we have to do is just agree with Him and let Him do it. But I promise you this, okay? I want you to get this. And I don't know how it works with everybody, but I believe this is for most of us. Some of you might just jump, you know, way ahead real fast. That'd be good. I don't care if you do. I hope you do. Somebody jump way ahead so we can grab hold of you. But a lot of it starts out small. Little things. Little things. But those little things will grow over time. Okay? That world will start opening up more and more to you as long as you start, you keep seeing with the eyes of faith and you don't enter into skepticism and, and negative mental thinking. You hear what I'm saying to you? Okay? It will help you. I mean, this really will help you. But you cultivate this life, but if you don't have grace operating in you, I promise you this thing ain't going to work real well, real well for you. All right, so remember what I said at the beginning. I prayed, Lord, I need to be more focused. I mean, I'm all over the road in my life right now. And I thought I was being more focused. I mean, it just seemed like everything opposite. You know, lots of times things go opposite for you. And, and there is, you know, just let's just get this. Just because you have a spiritual experience doesn't mean you're not going to experience dryness. That was one of the things he was talking about. Anna, the book, she told me this, Byron. You're going to have these great spiritual experiences, but I promise you there's a dryness that comes with it. In other words, you may see glory and it may be grandiose, but there's a time when you walk in dryness. There's a time when you don't feel nothing, see nothing, hear nothing. What are you going to do then? Are you going to be offended at God then? Are you going to quit? Are you going to quit pressing into God? Are you going to quit allowing God to do what He does? Are you going to not trust Him then? No, 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 don't do that. And I think that's what a lot of Christians do, is, is God doesn't answer their prayers, they get frustrated, and they give up on it. And what I want to tell you today, now's not the time to give up. Don't quit. Grace is available. You won't always be wet, right? Oh, I told Byron it's like one of those messages trying to get a drink of water out of a fire hose. Um, but I want to. Okay. I got, I got, I'm sorry, I got to do this. But this morning, when I walked in the room this morning, I felt like I could have prophesied over every single person in the room. And I did talk to a few people this morning, but this is what I felt for every single person in this room in the first and second service was. I walked through those doors and I felt the pleasure of the Heavenly Father so strongly over each one of you. And I don't want anybody in this room to to count themselves out of this. The the love of the Lord and and, and the Father, the Father really wants to affirm you guys today. He wants to affirm your place in the kingdom of God. He wants to affirm your place in this local body. He wants you to know that you're affirmed 
he really wants you to get that, that you are completely, 100% wholly accepted, and you bring great pleasure to the Father right now where you're at. And that's that grace that, that Byron's talking about, because when we get into the river, it's a tricky, sometimes it's tricky for us to navigate that, because, because supernatural things begin to happen around us. And what happens is if we're not having those supernatural experiences, if our prophetic path is a little bit different than the guy next to us, we, begin, we, we, we swallow the bait of the enemy and we begin to compare ourselves to that person. And the Lord is saying grace to you this morning. Grace to you. And I want to say to you that God has greatness birthed inside of each one of you. And many of you have dreams and visions. God really gave them to you. He really did, and, and because you have not seen those things come to pass yet, you've said this to yourself, or you've heard it said and you've agreed with it, it must have not been the Lord. It must have not been real. The thing God spoke over my life that I haven't seen happen yet, that hasn't come to pass, you've agreed with the enemy, and I want to break that off of you. I want to pull that stinger of disappointment out of your heart this morning. Those dreams, those visions, those hopes that God put in your heart are real. He really put them there. And we need them to come to pass. Not just for your calling, but the world needs them to come to pass. And there's this one other thing. Many of you guys have been in dark places in your life. You've come out of darkness. Okay? And this is what the, this is what the enemy has said this to you, and you've agreed with this. And I want to break this off of you. You've said this, if only I could have a normal life. I just need a normal life. If I could get myself into a place where I could have a normal... Let me tell you, none of you in here were meant to live a normal life. A normal life is not the standard for a child of God. And if you stop in that place, it will be death to you. Nobody in this place was called to a life of normalcy. That doesn't mean... Uh, I'm not talking about... Uh, uh, I, I'm talking beyond normal. I'm talking about greatness. You're called to greatness. That doesn't mean a life of ease. There will be hardship. There will be adventure involved in all of this. But God is calling His people out of the deception that a normal life is good enough. And through the grace of God, you know, Sarah was preaching on freedom a couple weekends ago freedom we were created for freedom we were created to love love beats normalcy every time love will lead you out of normalcy you've got we we just we're grabbing hold of love this morning so i just want to pray over you right now father i break off the lies of the enemies that we have had implanted into our hearts into our ears I remove the stingers of disappointment out of our hearts right now. I break off the power of disappointment. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to suck out the poison of hope deferred this morning. I break off that season of hope deferred out of our lives, out of our hearts. And I really, when Angel was on the floor this morning releasing joy, that, the Lord had already given me that. There's a season of joy. God is releasing a season of joy into His people. And joy does not mean easy, as in ease, but it means that there is joy and grace. The fruits of the Spirit are always available to us, even in the struggle. So Father, I release grace, the grace and redemption of the Holy Spirit's 
work in this room right now. That your people can go forth and in the words of the U.S. Army, be all that you've created them to be, Father, and nothing less. In Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to encourage you a very practical thing. I just felt led. Are these notes going to be on the website? You got notes for this? You can put on there? Can't? Okay. They normally are. Well, anyway... um, if you didn't write all these verses down and stuff, I just wanted to you know at riverlifefellowship.com, if you click on the audio sermons, not only can you usually listen to the message, but you can also um, get a link to you know the references, the Byron's notes and stuff. You just list out the references or at least. And maybe where we can read more about John Bunyan, and if you found, you know, can give us some pointers on that. But the reason I'm saying that is because this is one of those messages, like I said, trying to get a drink out of a fire hose. Like there's so much thrown here that I just can't wait to get home and just get with Jesus and say, all right, Lord, let's just soak in this for a while. Show me more. Lord, show me what you're trying to... How, do you, how is this going to work out in my life? How do you want to do this thing? How, what does this mean? You know, does everybody understand what I'm saying here? So I just want to let you know that's available there at riverlifefellowship.com. And one more scripture, and we want to get our mystery team, come on up. Uh, Galatians 6.9 was a verse that the Lord reminded me of this week. And it says this, Let do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. If we don't give up. So I just want to encourage you along with Andy this morning, don't give up. Keep pressing on even when you're not wet. (laughs) Even when you don't feel it, keep moving on in faith. Amen? So if you need that measure of grace, or whatever, I'm not going to say too many other words, but just come on up here. If you need healing this morning, i got a word. I just felt like a word about somebody's tooth, something going on in the mouth. That's you. I want to pray for you. Or any other healing need, come. I want to pray for you about that. You know, we got plenty of people up here to pray. Probably use a couple more ministry team folks come on up and uh, if you need to go you can be dismissed bless you if you're a guest here today I hope the Lord touched you so be blessed